Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you again for your goodness and your love to us. We ask now that you'd bless this service time. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 2 once again. Last week we got through the first half of this passage. I kind of divided it up. Uh, the attributes of Antichrist versus the attributes of the Christian. And uh, we went through... Uh, the attributes of the Antichrist or Antichrist, it says there are many of them. Uh, one of the attributes of the true Antichrist is he was once part of the true church. He, he went out from us. Uh, I, I've often said this uh, primarily just to get people to stop and think. I, I want you to understand something. If Antichrist were to show up Today, he would be a rocked-ribbed conservative. Uh, He would be against all the things that we are against. He would be for all of the things that we are for. He would be able... uh, The idea of Antichrist is not saying uh, Jesus didn't come, the Bible's not true. He says, I'm Jesus. I am true. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And that's why the Bible says, if it were possible, when Antichrist comes, he would deceive the very elect. Why is it not possible? Because the elect aren't going to be here. Amen? We have this event called the rapture, where Jesus takes his church out. Because if he did not take out the church, two things would happen. Number one... The Bible says that all people are going to be given under the dominion of the Antichrist. That means that he would prevail against the church. It says that the Antichrist will wear out the saints. He will have power to overcome their influence in the world. That can't happen today because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the promises of Jesus to his church. And those are just some of the reasons we believe in the eminent return of Jesus Christ. And we have many people that started out right and ended up somewhere else. And this is all part of how we can know. If you were here in New York City in 1955 when Billy Graham held his first crusade, My mother-in-law was here. She gave testimony to this. She said, riding the subway home, people were singing hymns on the subways. It was like the Spirit of God had swept over this entire city. But let me give you a little bit of history of what happened before the Billy Graham Crusade. See, the Bible-believing pastors of of New York City had sent a special invitation to Dr. Graham to hold a citywide revival, and he refused. He said, I will not come unless you get the, quote-unquote, high Protestants. This is the Methodists and the Presbyterians and, and people who no longer preach the gospel. Lutherans, he said, unless you get them involved, I will not come. Well, let me tell you something. 
when you get someone involved who does not preach the gospel in a gospel preaching campaign, what happens? You end up with a state of confusion. Now, who's the author of confusion? You see, salvation is not just an emotional experience, is it? Salvation is not just praying a prayer. Salvation is a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, they went out from us today. Dr. Graham teaches that you don't even have to know. You can be saved without even knowing that you're saved. There, that some people don't even need to be saved. They are so righteous, they don't need salvation. Um, these things are not in the Bible. And so just because something looks good doesn't mean it's good. I remember when Promise Keepers, how many remember Promise Keepers when it was around? I got a phone call from a pastor of a uh, liberal Baptist church in, in Queens here. and He says we're kind of uh, and I knew about this church. The, the gospel was rarely, if ever, actually preached clear and true. And, and he says, we have this rally there and we're inviting you to come. And I said, I, I don't think I'll be attending. And he said, what, aren't, aren't you for men being Christian men? And uh, he said, excuse me. I said, would you like me to answer that? He said, well, yeah. I said, well, one of the heads of the meeting is uh, Reverend jo- uh, of the organization is Reverend Johansson down here at Evangel Church. Isn't that true? Oh, yeah. I said, do you know? I said, I don't know what Mr. Johansson personally preaches, but he's a member of the Assembly of God denomination, and they teach you can lose your salvation. Did you know that? Uh, uh, well, uh, and if I sit on the platform with a man who teaches or part of an organization that teaches you can lose your salvation, and one of my people are sitting there, I said, aren't they going to be confused about what is true and what isn't? Uh, well, uh, and then he changed the subject and went on to a different point and, and tried to get me to come. And, and when, when I just adamantly refused, he, he called me, uh, obstinate and standing in the way of the gospel. And no, no, I think he's in the way of the gospel. Promise keepers. You study the history of that organization. Well, don't. It's not nice. It really is not. What they call love is not love. Telling people their sins are okay is not good. Let me let me tell you, here's what the Bible says. The, they went out from us to prove they're liars, and we've been through that. Uh, you don't have to get up and say, I deny Jesus Christ. What greater way to deny Jesus Christ will the Antichrist uh, be able to accomplish than claiming that he is Jesus Christ? And that's exactly what he'll do when he's in the middle of the tribulation period, when he sits upon the mercy seat in the temple in Jerusalem and claims to be God. 
The Bible tells us that is the event that is going to wake up the Jewish people. And they will understand that only Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, could be their Messiah. And then it's going to come persecution from the Antichrist. You see, they are seducers. It takes time to unlearn the truth of the Bible. It doesn't happen immediately. I've I've met people who have spent great time studying false doctrine. And and there's a hardness about them. There, There is something when you try to show them the truth. You couldn't convince them of the truth if you hit them, put it on the end of a hammer and smacked them right between the eyes. Uh, I mean, they just, they, they cannot see it, no matter what you do. Why? Because they've been seduced. And by the way, part of seduction is wanting to believe the lie. How many people want to believe what Joel Olstein teaches? You see what I'm talking about here? How many people would really like to believe that everybody's going to heaven? I mean, I would like to believe that. I mean, that's just human nature. I don't want anybody to go to hell, but I have to understand something about the love of God that unless you're willing to believe in the love of God and reject this world, you can't have it. You cannot have Jesus and the world. Now, we're going to go back and we're going to start in verse 19. It says, They went out from us, but they were not all, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. Do you get what John is saying here? He's, he's saying the attributes of those two true Christians are that they stayed. They didn't go anywhere else. They didn't follow the great teachers or the the fantastic leaders of their day. You know, there's there's just something out there that people want to be uh, the beginning of a new movement. Uh, That's spirit of Antichrist. There's nothing new about Jesus in his book. I don't want anything new. I want to be a part of something that's older and bigger than me. Uh, I I often do this when I'm trying to convince people about the truth of the Bible. You cannot find anything bigger than the local church. I could give you names of people who have sought something larger than the local church and they've had to turn their back on the truth of the fellowship of the local church so that they can find this greater whatever thing is out there. And it never turns out 
to be what it says it is. Oh, promise keeper was going to promise keepers was going to have every man in the world being a true man for Jesus Christ. Well, what is the second or third promise that a promise keeper was to make? To break down denominational barriers so that we can all be one in the body of Christ. Well, right there, you know, that's against the Bible. That's not the truth. You see, if you are of Christ, you're going to stay with Christ. Verse 20, second characteristic. It says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now, we touched on this a little bit last week. Have you ever met somebody that knows all things? What's our favorite saying in New York? We really get irritated with people who think they know everything uh, because they bother us who really do. Uh, uh, I I think it goes somewhere along that lines. And, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is this is not talking about answering everybody's question. Okay? Let's, let's put it in the context. Let's go back to verses uh, 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's the context. He said, and if we go back to the beginning, he says, I've written unto you little children, I've written unto you young men, I've written unto you fathers, I've written unto you, <coughs> excuse me, because you're going to be obedient to the Word of God. Amen? And that obedience is going to demand that you don't love the world. That your life is not about the same things that everybody's life is about. Now, I know the Super Bowl only happens one Sunday a year. Uh, I, I understand that. But I don't understand why you would stay home and watch football instead of coming to church. Because church is more important. And I promise you, I promise you one thing. Set up your recorder and record the football game. Don't turn on the radio on the way home. And we won't spoil it here because I don't know. Pittsburgh's not playing. I don't care. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Um, I haven't, I don't think I've watched a football game. I, I don't believe I've watched a whole football game except... Uh, some college games at the stadium where my brother got me tickets since we've been married. I, I don't think I've ever just watched a football game. It's not that important anymore. And I'm not going to get upset with you if you think it's important. Uh, but what I am saying is, let's make the most important things important. You see, you do not have to know every little byway where every path leads 
You do not have to know every exit number to know whether you're on the right road or not now, do you? Are are you together with my illustration? You see, the context here when it says you have an unction and you know all things is not that you can answer every question. Is not that you know every nuance uh, that someone may come up with. But you know everything you need to know to be on the right road. And when somebody starts trying to convince you that you're not on the right road, you can know that they're trying to seduce you. That they're trying to lead you in a way. How many of you have ever made friendships with someone and all of a sudden they started saying things and doing things and you said, I think something's wrong here. I remember working in the nursing home and this guy came in and he was, wow, just seemed to be right down the road. And when he found out I was at the Bible college, he was just shaking my hand and all of this. And then all of a sudden he said, listen, I, I got a little paper I'd like you to read. He hands it to me and I'm sitting here looking through this thing and I'm going, this doesn't sound quite right. And so I went to my pastor at the time and I said, have you ever heard of such and such a publication? He says, yes. He said, you don't know what that is? I said, no. He said, that's the neo-Nazi newspaper. I said, boy, I'm glad you told me. I said, I'd never figured that out reading this copy. He said, no, no, you have to go through it very carefully and parse the words. It's written to seduce you. So I went back and I said a few things. I said, uh, so you hate Jews, don't you? Oh, I wouldn't put it that way. I said, oh, okay, okay, I know where you are now. I said, I want nothing to do with you. And oh, he got mad at me then. I, he was my enemy from that point forward. You know what? I didn't need to know everything about what his paper was. But I knew it was a little hokey. And God put somebody in there in my life to help me understand what was going on. And when I pressed his button, he blew up. I don't want that kind of friend. How about you? Amen? I I want the kind of friend that's going to help me. And this unction, by the way, if you look up the word, it means an anointing. How many of you have ever had a topical infection or a subcutaneous infection, something in your skin? And they give you a salve to put on that thing. And all of a sudden, it just starts getting better. It's amazing what some of those things can do. Well, what happens is when you put that salve over the infection site the antibiotics and the things that are in that salve begin seeping down through the skin and killing the infection. In fact, not only do they attack the infection that is in there, they put a seal over that area so that no more infection can get in. 
and all of a sudden the healing process is being controlled by this stuff you smear on you. And if you look up the word unction, it means smearing. Anointing, something you pour on. Something you smear on like an ointment. You know what? That's what the Holy Spirit of God does when you surrender your life to His Word. He starts attacking the wrong things, but He'll seal out other things that will come in. I don't know who originated this. It probably came from a dozen guys at the same time. But sin comes in six-packs. Uh, you can't just pick one sin. It brings its friends in with it. You can't just say, well, this is going to be... Uh, I, I can just do this one thing and God will forgive me and understand. No, you do one sin and there's others always attached to it. Well, this unction attacks that process. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He is that anointing. And when we get down here a little later, it's going to be brought up in a different way. But it says ye have an unction. It's a controlling influence. It's external. It's not something that comes from you. It's something that comes from God and His Word. And it protects you. And it heals you. It influences what is going on. And that's why in verse 21 he says, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it. You know the truth. And you know that there is no lie in the truth. You don't have to worry. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I, you know, I understand the Bible is a good book and that Jesus stuff will really help you and, and work in your life. But don't get too much of it. It can hurt you. You ever heard anybody say that? A lot of people do. And the truth of the matter is, it can't hurt you. You can't get too much Jesus. You can get too much of you. You can get too much of what you think Jesus said. Oh, that doesn't take much to get all messed up. But you can't get too much of the Word of God. And how do you know that you have the Word of God, not somebody's idea of the Word of God? Well, it's very simple. It agrees with the Holy Spirit of God. It agrees with what's written down. You see, there's no lie in the truth. Maybe I could illustrate this way. As a young man, I began to seek that person that God would have to become my wife. And of course, being short-sighted, I thought I had met several before I actually met my wife, the woman that would be my wife. And one of the things as I was praying... It wasn't a physical voice. I was just praying and it was just like this question came to my mind. What's wrong? 
Because, see, everybody else I'd ever dated, it was, wow, this is good, this is good, this is good. Well, we've got to work on this area over here. And when I met her, it was like, there's nothing wrong. Well, then what's wrong with you, stupid? They're not standing in line. Amen? Uh, there's not a whole lot of people to choose from. And all of a sudden, I stopped praying, Lord, is this your will? Is this your will? Is this your will to give me grace and strength to be obedient to your will? And, and that was... Uh, Brother Marshall made it rather difficult at times. But God gave grace. And now, Brother Marshall, John Marshall, I, I say this with all my heart, is one of the closest and dearest friends that I have. Not only my father-in-law, but he's a friend. Why? Because I followed the Bible, the unction. You don't have to know everything, but you'll know everything you need to know. We live in a world full of the pursuit of endless, vain knowledge. Do we not? Uh, every once in a while, uh, there's actually a society, it's called the Keepers of Odd Knowledge. And uh, every once in a while, they'll show up on one of those talk shows, and the guy says, listen, I just wanted to check this out. He said, I have no way of verifying this, but I know you guys will know it. And I'll say, oh, yes, we've studied that completely. We understand. Yes, you're 100% correct in your understanding of this. And it would just be some, you know, how thick the enamel is on pots and pans created in the years 1850 to 1875 or something like that. I mean, just absolutely absurd, worthless knowledge, but these guys have it. You know, I remember meeting a preacher one time and he said, listen, he says, I know the answers to questions you're not even smart enough to think about asking. Wow. Wow. I've got to think about what you just said for a moment. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty steep insult there. And uh, at the time that was said, I was a young preacher and I, I wasn't going to fight the guy over. I wouldn't today, I would hope. But you know something? The Bible says that I have an unction. And I know what I need to know to walk in the way. In fact, I know everything I need to know to walk in the way. Can I give you an illustration of that so far? How about the Union Baptist Church? All of the things. I mean, I, I, I sat down. Somebody said, tell me what happened. I started telling the story of how we... Did this and did... How did you know to do all of that? And as I was preparing a sermon, I said, Ah, here's how I knew. There, there's this thing called an unction that gives you direction about knowing things that you don't know, that, but you need to know, and, and giving you direction without hearing voices coming out of the closet. Uh, of course, you know what happens when you hear voices out of the closet, right? Let your little brother out. Amen. Amen. 
There's nothing wooky-spooky about this thing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit of God because you have the truth and you know there's no lie in the truth. Now, we move on to the next one. Verse 24. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. Doctrine doesn't change. Can we say amen to that? I won't call the guy's name, but every so often I get a call from a man that used to attend our church rather faithfully. And his basic assessment is, I just can't take it anymore. You're too hardcore for me. He says, you're too straight down the line. He said, There's just, you just got to give me a little room to move. I said, you don't need room to move. You need to obey what's in the Bible. And so with all this presidential stuff, all of a sudden I get a phone call. Hey, I, I just want to touch base with one of those, he doesn't say it this way because he doesn't want to be insulting, extreme right-wing nutcase kind of guys. He says, I know, you're all the way over there and you don't compromise. So I just want to know what you think about Trump and I want you to uh, know what you think about this. And I'll, I'll tell you, I think the same thing about Mr. Trump today that I did 10 years ago. Uh, and that's not much. But if he was running against Hillary... Who would you vote for? I mean, if Hillary was running against the devil, who would you vote for? You'd have to stop and think a moment, wouldn't you? I mean, this is being recorded, isn't it? Oh, well. Maybe we'll edit that part out, Deborah. No. Look. You don't need to change. You don't need to modernize. You don't need to update the gospel. You just need to hold on to that which you've had from the beginning. If you do, it says you're going to abide in Jesus Christ. And that takes us to verse 25, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. This is the promise. You see, the characteristic of the saved, of the Christian, versus the anti-Christian, or the fake Christian, or the imitation Christian, is that the real Christian has eternal life, the fake Christian doesn't. The fake Christian loves the things of this world and still claims to love Jesus at the same time. The real Christian says, I can't love the things of this world and love Jesus at the same time. The fake Christian says, I've had enough of you guys in your narrow-minded ways. I'm going to find a, a greater truth and a greater love out there than you have in your church. Be my guest. For greater love hath this, 
hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and Jesus died for me while he was still my while I was still his enemy. Only God can show that kind of love. You see, we come down to verse 27, and it says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Now that anointing there, and unction in the previous verse that we read down in, in verse 20 is actually the same Greek word, but it's talking about different aspects. It's different ideas. This word of unction is the outward application, the outward controlling influence. Here, we have an anointing that comes from the inside. Today, we have an entire realm of what is called medicine that deals with behavior. It's called mental health. Now, here's one of the things that you can know that it's not real medicine. is because if I take so many grains of an antibiotic and you have a disease, what does the antibiotic do? Kills the disease. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Uh, It doesn't matter. It just works every time. Now, you can have antibiotic-resistant diseases. We know this. But then you get super antibiotics and it just gets on deeper and deeper until you can't get any further. But If you have blocked arteries and they perform an operation and open the blocked arteries, you live. If you have blocked arteries and they don't do the operation, you die. It it just works that way. Once your arteries are blocked off, you don't have blood flow, you don't live very long. But you know, I could take a hundred people and give them the same dose of the same medicine and get 99 different results. That's not medicine, my friends. That's called experimentation. And we better be careful. Now, don't go home and throw away medicine if you're taking stuff. It does things. Don't. I'm not a doctor. I'm just trying to explain to you not everything that's called medicine is. But see, as hard as man tries to modify behavior and modify thinking, he does a pretty poor job. But when you get the anointing on the inside and you have the anointing on the outside or the unction on the outside, guess what? You're kind of in this thing, aren't you? encapsulated. It's influencing you from the outside. It's influencing you from the inside. Do you, 
Do you think this might be an illustration of what the Apostle Paul was trying to talk about in Galatians chapter 5 when he said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, I, I believe that there's an exact correlation there. And, and what John is doing is he's trying to explain to us that it's the Holy Spirit that is that unction that teaches us and makes us know all things. And it's that Holy Spirit that is that anointing. And He abides in us. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, we have a group of people who believe, I don't need church, I don't need organized religion, I have the unction, and I have the anointing, I know all things, I'm being taught all things, and so I don't need church. Well, wait a minute. What, What does the Bible say about church? It says, but ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So if I'm going to abide in Christ, where should I be abiding? In the local church, according to the Bible. So you see, even that is the spirit of Antichrist taking you away from something that is simply in the Bible. How many people set themselves up as great teachers and gurus and you come to me and... uh, How many here have ever heard of a guy named Bill Gothard? Uh, Basic Institute of Life... Youth conflicts or something like that. Uh, Bill Gothard is not a pastor. Never been ordained by a church. As far as I know, he's not even a member of a church. I think he just passed away a little while ago. But I knew pastors of churches that would call up his organization and talk to mere teenagers that Mr. Gothard had trained and get answers from these young people about how to run their church and handle problems in their church. So there's something wrong with this equation. There's something really wrong here. You see, if you're going to abide in Him, you're going to hold on to that which you've had from the beginning. What did Jesus say? I will build my Bible study. I will build my small group movement. I will build my Christian fellowship. I will build men to be men. And women to be men. I mean women. I'm sorry. Little Dominic Penichetti there. If you know him, he pastors in Philadelphia. He says, come to Bethel, where the men are men, and so are the women. And I've been there. He's not kidding. But 
That's what the world all talks about. Do you know that I have closer fellowship in the church of Jesus Christ than I do with many of my own family members? Do you know that I have more opportunity to be the man that God wants me to be in the local church than I do in any other form that exists in this world? Do you know that the local church helps me be a better father to my children? It helps my sons grow up to be men and it helps my daughters to grow up to be the way that they ought to be. I I get so frustrated with this socialization argument when it comes to homeschooling. Well, you know, all you do is go to church. How will your children be socialized? Well, do you know that on a given Sunday morning, we have five of the six inhabited continents represented in every service? And we have every age group from infant all the way to senior citizens, and my children get to interact with everybody. In fact, I don't think you can walk through the doors and not interact with at least one or two of them. Talk about socialization. My kids aren't ready to be socially acceptable in the world. They're ready to run it. Amen? No, I'm sorry. Everything the world offers is right here in his church. But there's an order. There's a way things ought to be done. There's a way that's lined out in the Bible. There is direction. There's help. There's everything we need. And it's all summed up. Well, let's get this last one here. It says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have... What's that next word? Can you read it in your King James Bible? Let's try it again. And now, verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have... Confidence. And that's not some song from the sound of music. I have confidence in me. How far did that go? That was a joke. In the, song, in, the, in the play, it was a joke. When I meet Jesus, would you like to be confident to meet Jesus? I would like to be. How do you do that? It says right here, abide in Him. You know, I believe that at the judgment seat of Christ, there's only going to be one question to ask. Were you obedient to my word? You know, the Bible's not a complicated book now, is it? There's not a lot of things for you to do, is there? And it says that we can have confidence because... If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. You know, I can, people often ask, Pastor, do you, do you, can you recommend a church in such and such an area? 
And I said, listen, we independent Baptists, uh, we, we try to stick together. I can, and, and I'll, I'll check. I'll call some of my friends in the area and see. And, and there are times when I don't know anybody or anything, and so I'll, I'll just call the church and, you know, could I speak to one of the pastors? I said, I'm a pastor. I have someone moving into the area. I'd just like to know a little bit about what kind of church is. And got a hold of a church secretary in Texas one time. She said, well, I'm the church secretary. You can talk to me. I said, oh, okay. And uh, I just asked a couple. Oh, she says, I know what you're looking for. He said, let me tell you, we are not a fundamentalist church. I said, that's all I needed to know. Thank you. You know what? You see. I know that there's no unrighteousness in Jesus Christ. But I got enough sense to know that I don't want to recommend that church to anybody. My favorite little saying is, I wouldn't send my dog there. And I don't even have one. You know why? Because in him is righteousness. And there's no unrighteousness in Jesus Christ. And if somebody's following Jesus, we'll be able to tell. We should be able to tell. And it's like some of the questions you have today as you're sitting on a train. Is that a guy or is that a girl? And if you have to look that long, it's just not worth knowing the answer to the question. It really isn't. If you have to study them that hard to find out that whether they're Jesus or not, go somewhere else. Because look at this last little bit here, and we'll just touch on it. We'll pick up here next week, Lord willing. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. What kind of love has Jesus given to us? That he would call us his children. I'll tell you what, God's allowed me to be with some great, great men over the years. Men, I count my, my dear friends and, and uh, people who have influenced my life in a great, great way. I remember someone once said, Oh, oh, he's just one of Larry's boys, talking about Larry Clayton. First time I heard that, I was going, well, wait a minute, I kind of like that. I, I, I don't mind being identified with Larry Clayton. You know why? Because Larry Clayton's identified with this book. Amen? We can have that fellowship. We can have that freedom. And we're not endorsing any men or trying to But God says, listen, you're one of my kids. I kind of like that. I I don't kind of like that. I like it a whole lot. It says, wherefore come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty.
You know what is special? It's not the fact that I like a certain person, like Brother Clayton. It's the fact he likes me. That's what makes it special. Because I can go into a room and it's all full of people and I don't know anybody, hardly uh, half a dozen people, and I'll see Brother Clayton or, or somebody like that and I'll walk up. Pete! Brother Clayton! And, hey, everybody else knows Brother Clayton. Nobody knows me from Adam. But guess what? When Brother Clayton recognizes me like that, then I'm everybody's friend in the room. That's a friend of his. Amen. That's the way it works with Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool? Walking into the gates of heaven and Jesus said, Hey! And calls your name. That's what it says. We are the sons of God. Right now. God recognizes us. I always get nervous when somebody starts telling me how much they love Jesus. You know, it's kind of like a used car salesman telling how good this used car is. If it's really that good, you don't have to tell me how good it is. Are you following me? And so, we need to understand that there are characteristics out there. The world is full of antichrist. The real one is such a good imitation that Jesus has to remove his church from this world before he can reveal them. That's a scary thought. He said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. There's going to come a time when we're going to know the difference. But see, you have an unction because you stayed. The unction is on you. The unction abides in you. You abide in the unction. It's going to influence you from the outside. It's going to influence you from the inside. In fact, it's going to encapsulate you completely, so completely that your life is no longer yours. It belongs to the unction. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comforter, but my Father and I are going to come and abide with you. It's talking about the work that Jesus does in the life of a saved person. And that's why he can call us his children right now. Not because we're perfect. It says you know all things. You know what? You do. Concerning loving the world. You know everything you need to know. Staying on the right path. Guess what? You know everything you need to know. You know it all. And it's going to teach you. Not new things. It's just going to make you more confident about the same old things. I've gone over. Uh, I'll be done. One story. I was a student in Bible college, and I was working in a nursing home, and I was in the room of Mrs. Cox. It was Cox Medical Center. Her husband had built the place. 
And here she was, way up in her 90s, and her daughter was in there sitting in the room. And, you know, I knocked on the door. Can I come in and, and uh, polish the floors? Uh, and, uh, oh, yes, come on in. And she started talking to me. And says, well, you're a nice young man. What are you in, in this town for? You don't talk like we do in Missouri. And uh, I explained I was a student at the Bible College. And then I told her the name of the college I was at. And she looked at me and said, you'll get over that. You know, when you grow up, you'll understand that they're not right about everything. And, and being the young man that I was, I wasn't going to mouth off to Mrs. Cox's daughter who owned the place. I mean, they're just not very intelligent. And what good would it have done anyway? Her mind was already made up. But here I am, older than she was when she was talking to me. And I have more confidence in my Bible. I am so much stronger in my belief in the local church. I, I am just so attached to that word. Everything I believed then, I just believe more now. And when I see Jesus, that's how I'm going to have confidence. It was your blood that paid the price for my sins. It was your word that I preached. It was your word that gave every bit of direction in my life. I'll tell you what, we've all failed in following that direction. But that's not what this passage is talking about. It says you stayed. You abide in that anointing. And he, God, says, you're my son. Don't ever get over that. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask that you would help us to see these things in your word. And Lord, that not everything calls itself Christian is Christian. In fact, most of what calls itself Christian is not, according to your word. But Lord, help us to see the difference to cling to that which is good, to cling to that which is true, to simply hold on to that which we've had from the beginning, that our faith may be simple and, yes, childish, but in your word and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, the promises of God, that we may live with our lives the written words of God. Help us, Lord. Teach us. Show us. And let us not be near as concerned with detecting the spirit of Antichrist as we are with abiding in the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. In your name we pray. And before we finish our prayer, we'll just have the piano play. If you need to slip out and spend some time in prayer, the altar's open.